Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, sitting alongside, as always, my trusted colleague Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, it is almost here, the 2018 season finale for the Packers. Green Bay versus Detroit, Sunday, noon central time kickoff at Lambeau Field. Our final show of the week which means keys to victory. I think there are a lot of different directions, a lot of ways the Packers can win this game on Sunday. Where do you want to start? Well, I think the biggest one for me when I look at this matchup with the Lions is these are two really banged-up football teams. Yeah. Uh, when you look at not only what the, the injury report looks like this week, but the size of both of the injury uh, reserves for both of these teams. So for me, I think the thing that I that it, it's really going to be about which team overcomes their deficiencies better. I think you look at the the Lions right now in this aftermath of losing on Johnson for the season. You know, Marvin Jones Jr. was a big hit too, but Johnson was sort of their bright spot. They they were dedicating more to the running game, and he was averaging over five yards a carry. Got them a hundred yard performance this season. It really does look like a menace for the NFC North in years to come. Yep. But without him, uh, Legarrette Blunt only averaging 2.8 yards per carry. They just, you know, Theo Riddick is more of a running or more of a pass catching running back. So it puts more on the shoulders of Matthew Stafford. And, and last week they just couldn't get their passing game going, uh, despite that fast start against the Vikings. So, from my perspective, I, I think the Packers, if they're able to contain Stafford, if you're able to uh, eliminate those big plays to the Kenny Galladay. I think the Packers are going to be able to come out of this thing victorious. Yeah, when you look at what the Packers have done against the run the last couple of weeks, really a run defense being led by the two Northwestern alums yeah. on that defensive line in Dean Lowry, <clears throat> excuse me, and the undrafted rookie Tyler Lancaster. You know, I like the Packers run defense to continue doing what it's doing, which is going to put this game for the Lions offensively in the hands of Stafford and Galladay is his big play guy, and you mentioned Carryon Johnson, and obviously the the future we could be seeing with him in the NFC North. I think Galladay is you know falls into that same category. He made the big play down the sideline in the first half in Detroit in the first meeting between these two teams. I believe it was a sixty yard pass yeah. was part of the Lions jumping out to that big lead that the Packers could not overcome. But I'm with you. I think if uh, if the Packers can contain Galladay and not give up any of those big type of explosive plays to him um, the way this Packers defense is playing I, I like uh, I like Green Bay's chances of keeping this offense under wraps yeah it is interesting though because right now he has 70 catches for 1,063 yards behind him is Theo Riddick with 61 but he only has 384 and then really there isn't a lot of bodies at yeah. that spot. Marvin Jones Jr. and Bruce Ellington are both on injury reserve. Golden um, Tate was traded like Golden, we talked about earlier in the week. Yeah, so they've been sort of this, uh, you know, I don't want to call it a hodgepodge, but there just hasn't been a, a consistent 3-4 weapon uh, kind of diversity with that offense. And as we've talked about on so many of these episodes, Mike, in the aftermath of Kelvin Johnson, his retirement, that was one of the things I thought really helped Matthew Stafford get comfortable is the mm -hmm. fact that he did have a bevy of different weapons to turn to in the passing game. That's not there for them right now. So, And it's interesting because now all the headlines you're seeing out of Detroit are what's the status with Jim Bob Cooter as their right. offensive coordinator when a couple of years ago he was the toast of the town that yeah. Calvin Johnson had left and Detroit's offense actually got better and Cooter and Stafford sort of had you know this, uh, this rapport going and 
and that offense was very, very dangerous. And suddenly it's it's not like that anymore. And there's all kinds of questions as to the future with uh, the offensive leadership there. It's funny how, especially in the coaching ranks, how perceptions can change fast. I mean, yeah. you look at, uh, I think it was, was it Terrell Austin all those years? Yeah, on the with, defensive side, with yeah. the Lions was considered a really big supreme coaching candidate when he had Nadamik and Sue and Nick Fairley and had know, some head coaching interviews if I, if I recall yeah. Yeah. DeAndre Levy I mean they had so many different guys in that defense that were really big playmakers and then he ends up having his departure and then wasn't able to recapture that success in Cincinnati it's just sometimes the way that this business goes yeah uh, but but from the Packers perspective they've seen Matthew Stafford when he's at his best and when he's able to control the tempo of a game and get the ball quickly out of his hands you've also seen what you can do with him when you do take away the football when you do uh, be able to get him throwing off of his back foot and forsaking some of the fundamentals so when you look at just as pure keys to victory the Packers trying to get their first winning streak of the season to end the season trying to avoid losing four consecutive games to the Lions in you know 35 years <laughs> this is what I think is the biggest path to victory it's Mike Pettin's defense being able to contain Galladay keeping a safety over the top of him I think is going to be optimal just by how he stresses you uh, in some of those uh, cover two and cover zero looks so I, I that, that's going to be the big thing for me is just seeing exactly what the plan of attack is for the Packers, specifically if you don't have Jair Alexander available due to that groin injury. Yeah, that's another one that we're waiting on. And on the offensive side of the ball for the Packers, uh, we're also waiting to find out <clears throat> Excuse me. if Devontae Adams, who did not practice Wednesday or Thursday due to the knee injury, um, kind of a sore knee, I guess is the way he termed it, from the New York Jets game, whether or not he'll be out there on Sunday, you know he wants to be out there with these uh, records, franchise records that we've talked about that he is chasing. But on that side of the ball for the Packers, I think uh, when I look at this in from the keys to victory standpoint, I tell you what, Wes, if Jamal Williams plays another game like he did against the Jets with the rushing yards, the receiving yards, the blitz pickups, and all of the things that he did that were so such a focal point of the offense from start right. to finish. I mean, what was it, 86 out of 91 snaps that he played? He, he uh, barely took a break in that game. If Williams stacks another game like that one from last week, 150-plus yards from scrimmage and, and uh, everything else that he helped out with pass protection-wise, I like uh, certainly like the Packers' chances to, uh, to do some damage against Detroit. Yeah, here. the Packers needed to make hay against the Jets just based on, you know, it's been a tough year for New York with their run defense. I think right now they're 26. But the thing that impressed me the most with Williams is, as you said, the things he did in the other facets of the game, yeah. him as a pass catcher, him stepping up into pass protection when Mike McCarthy was featuring him and Jamal or him and Aaron Jones trying to get both of them going it wasn't just for the sake of doing it there was a mindset there there was a mentality and the fact of the matter is is when you look at the the total package all around package you know Jamal Williams is their best guy in that way yeah where Aaron Jones gives you the home run threat and gives you that big play potential every single time he touches the ball it's why they complement each other so well yeah I agree so in this game, I mean, you're looking at a, a Detroit run defense that's better. Uh, but, I mean, you know, Jared Davis has had his ups and downs this season. I mean, you look at the front that they have, there's been some changes along that as well. Um, so, But I, I really do believe, especially in these kind of weather conditions, Jamal Williams is built for this. So, I mean, if you're able to get him 20 touches again, get him over 100 total yards again, I don't care if it's as a running back, 
pass, you know, passing. I don't care if he throws the ball. I mean, if you're able to get him involved the way they did last week, it's going to make things infinitely easier on Aaron Rodgers. It's been that way going back to 2014 with Eddie Lacy. It was that way going back to 2009 and 2010 with Brandon Jackson and Ryan Grant. I mean, it's just the yeah. way it goes in this offense and the way things are structured. If you get that type of contribution every single down where you have to, the defense has to respect Jamal Williams and what they're going to do with them, Aaron Rodgers is going to be really productive. Yeah, and also on the offensive side of the ball for the Packers, Randall Cobb was back at practice, oh. uh, cleared from the concussion protocol from uh, what had happened in the Chicago game a couple of weeks ago. As I said, um, still not certain exactly what Devontae Adams' status will be. We talked on our last show about seeing the two rookie receivers, EQ St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, both having high-impact games in the same yeah. contest last week. Obviously, you'd like to see that continue. Do you uh, do you see maybe one of these guys or the other just based on matchups potentially uh, being the guy that has a big game on Sunday? Well, St. Brown needs to clear the concussion protocol, you know, to, to be in that conversation. But he does he is the guy that that would project as probably the more of the slot threat yeah. that Randall Cobb sort of fills. Uh, Valdez Scantling has shown he can play that role as well, but they've had to be a little bit more specific in how they move the pieces. You've seen Devontae Adams play that spot sometimes when you have MVS on the outside. You can see some of those tight ends being able to move over there. Honestly, the, the guy I, I actually think that's going to have maybe the biggest opportunity in this game is Jake Kumro. Okay. Um, and not just to get all the fans revved up and everything, <laughs> but th th there was a comment that Devontae Adams made when I was talking to him in the locker room afterwards, and, and he reiterated it this week when he was asked about Kumro, in that he is exactly what a quarterback wants in terms of where he is and his responsibility, his ability to fulfill that assignment. Um, if you want him going on a crosser, he's going to be exactly where he needs to be in the progression at that moment where the quarterback wants to find him. He does the same thing on, you, you look at, um, you know, it, it was a broken play, but him running that, that kind of corner route yeah. last week and, and being able to get the 49-yard touchdown. Rodgers puts it right where it needs to be, and Kumaro ends up making a nice play where he brings the ball back inside and looks upfield. His mindset as a receiver is, I think, something that's going to make him successful in this league. Adams joked that even though he has been kind of helping him with a few things, that Kumaro actually is older than him. <laughs> but there's still so much untapped potential with his game, and I think the Packers, one of the things this offseason, however the coaching staff sorts out, really are going to want to take a look at this guy and potentially the ways you can use him because – he has a very intriguing skill set that goes beyond just the measurables that you see with MVS and EQ St. Brown. He, he's a football player first and foremost, and I think, you know, this game specifically, if he ends up getting more reps, if, if St. Brown can't go, or depending on what their plan is for, for, for Cobb being in this matchup, yeah, I, I just think he's the kind of guy that could really blow the top off it. Well, with uh, the whitewater background, the home state guy, and everything that's gone into Jake Kumaro's story, if he finds the end zone on Sunday oh, like he nuts. did against the Jets, we might hear the loudest roar we've heard at Lambeau Field in quite a while because the fans are behind this guy. They know uh, he was a big star at whitewater winning national championships in Division Three there and everything. Uh, um, the fans really want to see him rise up in front of them yeah. and uh, and make something happen like he did in the preseason. As difficult as this past offseason was, and it certainly was, you know, not having Jordy Nelson in this offense anymore. You and I mentioned, I believe it was even on yesterday's show, what they've been able to do, the, the talent they've been able to cultivate at that position and have gotten those opportunities. 
as good as Nelson is, as much as I still think he can play in this league, those guys don't get those opportunities if it isn't, you know, for the way that this roster shook out this season. Yeah. It's unfortunate injuries happen, but the fact that you can get reps to Kumaro, to MVS, uh, to these young receivers, I think is something really is going to behoove them now going into next season. Yeah, well, hurry up, Packers fans, because the season is almost over. So make sure you stop in at your local Quick Trip and pick up your Packers Cup today. Get 89 cent refills on your Cafe Karuba coffee all season long. All right, Wes, week 17 here in the NFL is upon us. There are a handful of games, some really good ones. I'm sure when you and I are back at our desks after Sunday's game working on our stories, we're going to have uh, you know half an eye on the uh, televisions around yeah. the building to see what's going on in some of these games. I'm going to put you on the spot. NFC number six seed. Do you think the Vikings get it or do the Eagles get it? The the football fan in me is rooting for the Eagles in this, <laughs> um, just because I think it'd be such a great storyline. The Vikings, uh, I mean, if they get it, they get it. You know, you know, top notch. I mean, that they deserve it. But uh, just the idea of Nick Foles leading the Eagles into the playoffs again. This time they wouldn't be thirteen and three. They'd be the sixth seed, but. There's just some magic uh, in the football when it seems like he's in the huddle. Mm-hmm. Didn't quite come together earlier this season, but then when he ends up being thrown back in there with Carson Wentz's injury, here he is, and yep. he's rolling again. I, and ultimately, I think if Nick Foles, he's he's playing for a starting job right now. He wants to show that when he goes into free agency this year, he can be that weekend and week out starter for a team. So I, I think from a storyline standpoint, if you're rooting just for a reason to watch the games, it's a lot, the narrative's a lot more intriguing if the Eagles could find a way to sneak into this thing. Yeah, I think that the Vikings are going to find a way to beat the Bears at home. I'm not sure the Vikings a week later would be able to go to Chicago and handle that Bears defense in the elements in January and everything. Because you talk about a back-to-back type of thing, like with the Packers and the Vikings in 2012 when you went from the Metrodome in Week 17 to Lambeau Field for a wild-card playoff game. It just becomes a completely different matchup. But that being said, I will also say this about the Vikings because I made this comment in my insider inbox. The change was made at quarterback, but aside from that, this is essentially still the team that played for the NFC Championship last year. Teams like that, they're in this situation. They're they're going into their locker room on Sunday getting suited up, getting ready, saying, all we want is a shot. Just give us another shot. And when a team has that type of approach, if they can get in, and with the experience that the bulk of that roster gained last year with the the run that they made almost to the Super Bowl, they could be a dangerous team in the NFC if they can get in. The only thing is, though, that I wonder is can can Cousins be consistent enough? Absolutely. Um, You're you're absolutely right. That was the one thing about Keenum last year, even though you know he is as Denver showed this year, he has his limitations, but he was just so darn consistent yeah. leading up to the NFC Championship. Right, game. It, it was like you knew exactly what you were going to get yeah. from Keenum every week, and so then the Vikings could build everything around what they were going to do on defense in order to in order to win a game because Keenum just gave them something to count on, and I, I totally agree with you. Cousins' consistency has been an issue, and it's why Minnesota's season has been so up and down. Yeah, and I mean, you look at it, though, you know, more recently, uh, maybe with the exception of that Seattle game, Miami, he did exactly what he needed to do. He played a picture-perfect performance. 
against Detroit. If you can stitch those together, you get on a run. But the issue there is that, you know, you look at him this year. He has 17 turnovers on the season, seven fumbles lost, 10 interceptions. That's been one of the, the bugaboos for him this entire career is that as talented as he is and as much as he's thrown the football and been proven that he is a bona fide starting quarterback in this league, it's those type of things that can really cost you this time of year. So, it, again, We'll see. This is going to be a supreme test. It goes back to what I said two weeks ago with the Packers playing the Bears. Okay, if you want to be a playoff team, you got to beat this team. Mm -hmm. The Vikings are in the same boat right now. You want to be a playoff team, you win at your own house, you beat one of the top teams in this conference. Yeah. A couple I want to ask you about in the AFC. I'll start with the AFC North. You have the Ravens controlling their destiny for the division championship facing the Browns. If the Ravens were to lose and the Steelers beat the Bengals, then Pittsburgh wins the AFC North and gets into the playoffs. How do you see that one shaking out? It's basically the same exact thing of what the NFC is going through right now with Philadelphia and Minnesota vying for that spot. Pittsburgh has kind of been sputtering a little bit down the stretch. They're the team that really hasn't had been able to sustain momentum during December. Right. Whereas you have Baltimore, which feels like a new team right now with Lamar Jackson and the defense playing the way that they're playing. Yep. The difficult thing is, though, is that the Steelers are taking on a Bengals team that really has had the wind knocked out of their sails. Is not going to have Vontez Perfect available. You know, can they just get the job done? You know, and and win the game and see where the chips fall. It's all on the Ravens right now. Can the, and the Ravens Brown, and the Browns at yeah. seven, seven and one are trying to finish above five hundred? This is this is a playoff game type of yeah. thing for the Browns because with where that franchise has been, if they finish this season above five hundred, the uh, the optimism and the anticipation for twenty nineteen with that franchise will be through the roof. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, everyone was asking me about, you know, well, why you don't play for playoff spots or, or, or play for draft position and things like this. Tell the Cleveland Browns that the last six weeks haven't mattered. Yeah. I mean, that's a team that is really trying to build something going into next year and be like, all right, we're not only in a position to compete for a playoff spot, they, they want to make a run. They want to be the next team to make a Super Bowl with a young quarterback, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, but the, the problem for – it's going to be an excellent matchup. Just if you you have no dog, I think so too. I think I, I I usually don't get too wrapped up in AFC games because I'm always watching the NFC that much more closely. But if I had a chance to sit and watch an AFC game on Sunday, I'd watch Ravens and Browns because you have. I mean, it's the two young quarterbacks that have sort of shined out of this draft class Absolutely. And, and seeing which team maybe wants a little bit more. The Browns trying to get their first winning season since 2007 with Derek Anderson, I think something like that. Uh, yeah. Or the the Ravens, who have always sort of been the, the heart attack guys at the end of the season. So, I, yeah, it's going to be an excellent matchup to and whoever gets that spot, whether it be the Ravens or the Steelers, they'll have earned it. Yeah, one other one, Sunday night football to run past you. Colts and Titans, a de facto playoff game to end the regular season for the NFL. The winner is in to the AFC playoffs. The loser is done. Who do you like? It has to be the Colts. I agree. It has to be Andrew Luck. It sounds like Marcus Mariota is going to be back for the Titans, that they sure. will have their starting quarterback. But that said, I agree with you. Even on the road, I like Indy in this game. But with all due respect to Marcus Mariota, my wife doesn't know who that is. So, I mean, <laughs> like, you look at it from a name aspect. You want names in the playoffs. This is Andrew Luck's game. In coming back yeah. off the shoulder injury from last year, no a doubt. guy that led them to so much success his first couple seasons, if he can reignite that fire... My goodness. I mean, it doesn't really matter how their season plays out. If they make the playoffs, they're in the same boat as the Colts. They're feeling great about where things are. 
in contrast to where they were sitting last year at four and twelve without him. So uh, yeah, it'll be great. And you know, for the you get tip your cap to the Titans as well. New coach, new vision, trying to you know build some of their own success, get to the playoffs again. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, a, t- a team a team that got to the playoffs and won on the road yeah. at Kansas City last year and got to the second round, they're looking to get another shot as well. Yeah, so I mean, if they're able to do it, awesome to them. I just think you you know you always talk about baseball, right? Nobody ever wants the Brewers in the playoffs. They'd <laughs> rather have you know the Cardinals or the Braves, these big markets. You know, Andrew Luck is a compelling storyline, but you know if the Titans can do it. Best of luck to them. Yeah, well, it should be it should be a great Sunday of football in the NFL for sure. And with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com and of Sunday's season finale against the Lions. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.